The Oscars are over. The red carpet has been rolled up and the little gold statues have all been taken home. But here at Physics Central, we're not quite done with Hollywood yet. I'm Meg Rosenberg, and on today's podcast, we're taking a peek at that iconic piece of tech that makes the cinema possible, the movie projector. Have you ever sat in a movie theater and wondered how that thrilling action sequence makes it all the way up onto the screen? Well, you're in luck, because today we're exploring some of the physics that makes it all happen. The last time you watched a movie in the theater, it was probably shown using a digital projector. Just over the past decade or so, there's been a huge shift from traditional film projectors in commercial theaters to digital technology, which is somewhat easier to operate and a lot simpler to distribute. Well, certainly there was uh, great changes in making just a basic transition from 35mm projection to digital cinema, you know, at, at various levels. Retiring just last December, Steve Side has been the video curator for Berkeley's Pacific Film Archive, or PFA, for the past 26 years. One level is, you know, a standard feature film on 35 might be four or five reels of film. Nowadays, really all you're getting is a portable hard drive instead of a $10,000 print that costs 75 bucks or 100 bucks every time you want to send it to another theater. Now you're sending a $100 hard drive that costs $5 to ship. <laughs> so at that level of just moving materials around the country through the film circuit, that has really been impacted um, in a positive way. But what exactly is digital projection, and how has the movie-going experience been affected by its rise? Most of the companies that manufacture digital projectors, Christie, NEC, Barco, they use a microelectromechanical technology called digital light processing, or DLP. These projectors use arrays of very tiny mirrors called digital micromirror devices, or DMDs, to produce the color and brightness of each pixel in the image. Three DMD chips, one for each primary color, red, green, and blue, contain millions of these mirrors, each one only a few microns across. That's about ten times smaller than the width of a human hair. These microscopic reflectors are tilted individually, pixel by pixel, to adjust how much light is sent forward to make up the image, or backward to be left out of it. The red, green, and blue values at each pixel are combined to produce all of the colors you see on the screen. These spatial light modulator chips are at the heart of digital projection, and they haven't been around for all that long. Texas Instruments first publicly demonstrated its DLP projector in 1998 with the release of the film The Last Broadcast. Other films followed, Star Wars Episode One in 1999, Toy Story 2 the year after, and the number of theaters equipped with digital projectors has risen dramatically since then. Today, almost 95% of movie screens in the United States have been converted to digital. Not everyone is happy with this rapid transformation, as Steve Side has witnessed at the PFA. When he was just starting out, three-gun projection was the norm. Yeah, yeah, back in the days of the cathode ray tube. <laughs> you know, strictly analog projection, really. Cathode ray tubes, or CRTs, work by shooting electrons onto a phosphor surface that glows when excited. You may be familiar with them from pre-flat-screen television sets and computer monitors. These projectors had three different electron guns for the red, green, and blue components, and you had to align them with a small Phillips-head screwdriver to produce all of the colors in the film without creating a hazy image. 
The PFA still shows movies on film, but it's also equipped with digital projectors, and Side has experienced some backlash from viewers. I think the, the concerns are completely justifiable, but to a degree. To me, there are, you know, mitigating circumstances. But there are distinct differences between digital cinema and photochemical cinema. For me, it's not so much the light that um, changes, although that, that's a minor thing. But to me, the, the real differences between film and digital have to do with a kind of subtle instability of film. You know, because when a, when a film is being uh, sped through a projector, it's being moved by, you know, these little gears grabbing onto the sprockets. It's a very analog world where there's a, a kind of constant adjustment of the film strip going through the uh, projector so that it appears at an almost unconscious level as an unstable image on the screen. There's always a little bit of jiggling and moving about. That's one thing, you know, because when you transfer that over to digital, it becomes absolutely stable. There's no movement anymore. There's a certain degree of randomness in the analog medium that's missing in the digital realm. The other thing is that on traditional photochemical film, the little particles that are actually recording the picture, capturing the light and then, you know, being developed, are kind of randomly distributed around the frame. And then when you move over to digital, you may have the same number of particles, but they're all in an incredibly orderly um, array within the image file. And um, you can feel that when it's on the screen, that, again, there's not that kind of analog randomness behind the image that you would feel in film projection. And I think that's what people miss and in some sense resent the loss of with this move over to digital. But, as Side points out, a lot of film preservation is also made possible by digital technology, and that sort of manipulation doesn't seem to generate as much criticism from film purists. But a lot of restored films, preserved films that we've been seeing in the, like, the last 10 years really uh, had huge digital intervention in them, which for the most part people weren't arguing about. Aside from the more obvious and at times contentious differences between film and digital projection, the two technologies actually have a lot in common as well. Take the light source, for example. Since the late 1960s, the xenon arc lamp has been the primary source of illumination for movie projection, replacing hot and fast-burning carbon arc lamps. In dense enough quantities, xenon gas becomes an electrical conductor, and when an electric current is applied to a lamp bulb, the charge arcs through the xenon gas to complete the circuit, providing a bright white light. In a film projector, this light is reflected and focused by a parabolic mirror and a series of optical elements before passing through the film and into the main lens assembly to throw the image onto the screen. This same light from xenon arc lamps is also what's reflected by all of the millions of tiny mirrors in digital projectors using DMDs. Now, DLP isn't the only digital technology out there, and the sudden influx of new technologies has given the film industry a bit of a shock. Film projection basically didn't change for about 75 years. So the basic mechanical technology for the projector you know, was established really in the early sound period and remains somewhat stable so that you could buy projectors like at the film archive we still use the same projectors we bought in 1971 
but the kind of terrifying thing about digital cinema is that it's really an evolutionary medium. In 2002, soon after digital projection was first publicly demonstrated, many motion picture studios came together to try to get a handle on these new and rapidly evolving technologies. They created this thing called the Digital Cinema Initiative, DCI, and so they set standards about how you define the signal going through the projector, the quality of it, the basic resolution, and the amount of brightness off the screen. And in certain ways, the brightness should be compatible with film. These DCI standards were established with xenon arc lamps in mind, but recent advances in laser projection technology are opening up new possibilities for the movie experience, especially when it comes to brightness and color variations. Ryan Hufford is the senior systems engineer at Vulcan Inc., who oversaw the recent installation of a brand new laser projector at the Seattle Cinerama Theater. With the xenon systems, you traditionally are really close to what they call the DCI spec of, of colors. There's, there's a chromaticity chart, uh, gauge, uh, how these projectors are performing, and there are specific color points on this chart that you are trying to hit when you calibrate these systems. You, you know, the DCI spec says you need to hit green at this point, red at this point, blue at this point, and, it, and it's kind of a triangle pattern on the chart. The laser projector installed at the Cinerama last year uses DLP light modulator chips similar to those in a digital projector, but instead of a xenon bulb, the light source is a laser bank. Lasers are devices that emit coherent radiation. You have a collection of atoms, you add enough energy to excite them so they begin to emit photons, and then you trap these photons between two mirrors and let them bounce around, causing more atoms to emit photons, and so on. The passing photons tend to become aligned in phase, the crests and troughs of the wave lining up, and in polarization, the orientation of the waves as they travel, creating a beam of coherent light, a laser beam. Laser projectors are about twice as bright as a xenon-based projector at its best. And, as Steve Side points out, that brightness lasts a lot longer, too. In a commercial theater, you're probably changing the bulb three to four times a year. Whereas the laser uh, is supposedly good for about 10 years, not um, three or four months. Lasers also have an advantage when it comes to color, because the wavelengths of its primary color beams, red, green, and blue, are much more narrowly defined. When you start with lamplight, you have to filter out all the wavelengths you don't want, ending up with a range of wavelengths around red or around blue. And that's not as precise as laser-based systems that you can tune to very specific colors. So when you're using the laser system, uh, the color gamut of the light is greater than what's with xenon. And so when you throw the test patterns up on screen and you calibrate the system, what you're seeing on screen is, is the red, the green, and the blue points are, are deeper. They're more saturated. And, you know, if you, if you plotted these points on the chromaticity chart, you'd see a, a larger pattern, basically. That, that triangle that you would plot on the chart would be larger than the triangle uh, that you would see with a standard xenon projector. And that means that sitting in a movie theater, you'd see a lot more nuanced, vivid, and lifelike colors on the screen. So laser projection has a lot to offer commercial cinema in terms of sheer brightness and color possibilities. But where it really shines is in 3D projection. There's a big push nowadays you know, to be able to do 3D digital, but there's a gigantic loss of light when you use the current technology for 3D. 
So what's happening is most 3D is being shown ultimately at substandard brightness. That's because you're starting out with the same amount of light, but to achieve a 3D effect, you have to split it a lot more ways. What has traditionally been done is to show a left image, right image, and they switch back and forth. And um, they use a system called triple flash, which triples the number of frames uh, for, each, for each eye or for each image. Your mind assembles those images into a single image. Uh, the images are slightly different, and the differences between the two are, are what gives you that 3D effect. In this case, each eye is only seeing for half the time, and on top of that, it's seeing light that is polarized in one direction and filtering out the rest. The overall effect is a very dim 3D experience. That's one of the things that has given 3D kind of a bad rap, is that um, you know, the image quality just isn't as it could be because there just isn't enough brightness on screen. That's something that has improved by leaps and bounds at the Cinerama. To begin with, their new Christie 6P system uses two projectors, one for each eye, completely avoiding the triple flash technique, along with the discomfort it causes for some viewers. Then, of course, the lasers themselves are brighter than traditional lamplight, and they lose less of their light along the way by taking advantage of the laser's specific color tuning. With our system, the way that the, that the two images are separated, instead of using polarization, what we have is, is the laser bank for the right projector and the laser bank for the left projector are actually slightly different laser wavelengths. The left and right lenses in the glasses are tuned to the specific wavelengths sent out by their respective projectors, and overall the process is much more streamlined. The great thing about that is the efficiency of the 3D system is, is increased dramatically. Systems that have been available to date you know, range between 15 and 23%. And this system is much more efficient, order of about 80% light efficiency. What that allows the viewer to see is a much brighter image. Uh, there's a lot more color information. There's a lot more contrast just because we have this much greater brightness range to use. So are there any downsides to laser projection? Well, there is one big one. Yeah, well, right now, um, it's ridiculously expensive. I think it's literally about 10 times the price of a normal digital cinema projector. That, as well as logistical considerations like installing the equipment itself, handling ever larger files, not to mention establishing new standards, pushes a true laser revolution into the future. Maybe in five years, you know, the price will drop by 50% and then people will really buy it. And when that happens, content producers will begin to explore more fully the capabilities offered by laser projection. When these systems become more prevalent, you know, they will begin to take more, more advantage of, of the wider uh, color gamut, and, and that's when you're really going to start to see uh, you know, images that have more color pop. You really, as a presenter, have to kind of assume that you are going to move forward with the technology as well. You know, you can't just sit back and watch that world leave you behind. Now we're in this tumult of innovation that's going to go on for years in digital cinema. So it'll, it'll be an interesting ride. So next time you go to the movies, don't forget to look back at the booth. There's a whole lot of interesting physics going on in there to get you the movies you love. 
You've been listening to the Physics Central podcast, and be sure to check out our website at physicsbuzz.physicscentral.com. I'm Meg Rosenberg. Thanks for listening. Thank <laughs> you.